0: Happy Thanksgiving. Really good to see everybody here. Welcome to anybody who is new. Very glad that you showed up. Hope you keep coming back. Anybody watching online, good to have you, and hope you can come in person very soon as well. Being Thanksgiving time, I really want to thank everybody here who in any way serves or supports the church. We couldn't do it without you. All the volunteers we have, and we have over 800 people here last week, and it would just be impossible to take care of all the needs here if you guys were not pitching in and doing your part to make sure this thing's going. So you're meeting needs, you're making a difference, you're helping to make disciples, and I'm very grateful for everybody for what you do. Grateful for everybody who has been donating. We're collecting food and gifts for uh, families here in this church in need, as well as, Children with developmental disabilities at the Beaumont Center for Exceptional Children. Uh, I I, I don't think I have to ask for any more stuff. This is the last day, and I think it's all been taken. Uh, So thank you for that great to see that kind of generosity here and because it is Christmas season coming up we now have in the lobby some Christmas countdown calendars that you want to grab for your family Um, they're like an advent calendar with scratch-offs there and each day is a different quality or virtue to promote with your family no profit to us we're just selling those at cost five dollars each also you can pick up a companion guide either a printed one or a QR code scan for the digital one and you'll go through that each day with your family to help apply what's being taught. So that's a very cool thing I think you're going to want to check out. The holidays really are a very hectic time of the year, a lot of busyness, a lot of stuff to do, uh, a lot of stress. Um, add on top of that, family gatherings, you know, just it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of pressure there. And who couldn't use a little bit more calm in their homes? Now, for some of you ladies, your husbands are out hunting deer and things are just fine at home right now, but they're coming back. So... You might need to listen today what we're talking about. This world is so full of conflict and hostility and warfare. The last place we need that is in our homes. We want our homes to be an island of serenity, right? We want it to be um, a place of calm, an oasis. And, you know, it, it seems that we can get so bent out of shape at home, of all places, it's at home where we're just on edge all the time and and we're arguing and we're upset and we're complaining and life is hectic and it's harried and we've got this storm swirling around us all the time. How can we get to that place of calm in the storm? And look, even if you're not a Christian here today, and by the way, we're very glad that you're with us, uh, you're still gonna appreciate what we have to talk about today Because who couldn't use more calm in their home? But what we're going to point out is that this kind of calm really comes from God. It's something supernatural that he does in us. It's called the fruit of the spirit. The spirit gives it to us and uh, it helps us to get along better. And so far we've looked at a couple of the fruit, love and joy. And if you missed those messages, watch them on the website, listen to the podcast. But let's go through them once again. Paul writes in Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so those Christ-like qualities are the supernatural produce that Uh, comes into our lives because it's just who we are because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Jesus said in Matthew 12, the tree is known by its fruit, right? So the apple tree produces apples. If you have Christ in you, then you ought to be producing Christ-like fruit. He also said in Matthew 7, thus you will recognize them by their fruit. So would anybody recognize you as a Christian by the kind of fruit that you're producing? Would your family say that you're living by this kind of Christian fruit? So we're going to be combining three of them today. We're going to talk about peace, patience, and self-control. And then next week we're going to finish this out talking about three more, kindness, gentleness, and goodness. And we're going to talk about how we can uh, express grace. And grace is something more than a prayer you say around the Thanksgiving table. So these qualities are what allow us to treat people better. Because if you have patience, you're going to have more peace. And if you have peace, you're going to be more patient. You lose your patience, you lose your peace. You lose your peace, you lose your patience. So to enjoy life, you need to have a patient, peaceful attitude, and that's our main point. Control your reactions with a holy calm Holy come. I mean, you might remember the old Seinfeld episode from the 90s where George Costanza's dad, Frank, you know, the old guy is always just frustrated and angry and upset all the time, always yelling. And so he learns this technique on how to to get rid of all that anger. He's supposed to say the phrase, Serenity Now! Do you remember that? And he would shout it, Serenity Now! And it didn't work. You know, it just bottled it all up and he would have blew up all over the place. So I'm suggesting something better for you something that you're not going to get off of a book or some uh, TV program or, or some self-help thing. No, this is something from God. It's called, well, I'm calling it holy calm. Everybody say it with me. Holy calm. That's not, <clears throat> you know, it's not something Batman hears from Robin. That, that, by the way, you've got to be careful what you attach the word holy to because we put that word holy with a whole lot of very inappropriate things sometimes, right? You understand when we say holy this, holy that, Holy means it's something that comes from God. Think about that. Or something that belongs to God. It's only certain things you can call holy. We're calling this holy calm because it's a calm that really does come from God. Something that only He can produce in you. I'm not going to give you a bunch of lists of techniques. Here's how you get more calm if you do A, B, C, D. Because that's just going to stretch you out more. That's not going to make you get very peaceful if you've got to do that. You need some sort of calm in your home in spite of all the turmoil going on. Like in my house the past couple of weeks, my wife, some of you know, uh, was, was miserable. And it turned out she had a hernia, and she had to have hernia surgery <clears throat> on Tuesday. And so she very patiently was waiting through that, and she's still recovering from that and doing well. Thank you for the prayers. But that's, see, that's the difference. It's not being a Christian and not a Christian. Oh, Jesus is going to make my life all peaceful. He's going to take care of all the Adversity, well, I'm not going to have any more annoyances or aggravations or agitation. No, you still have all that as a Christian. The difference is is you've got the Lord with you in the middle of it. He's your eye in the middle of the hurricane, right? He's your calm in the midst of all the adversity. He says, I'm here with you. So, this, this is, again, something that I'm not going to give you all kinds of techniques. I'm just going to say, do what you're already supposed to be doing as a Christian. What's that? Praying, reading your Bible. Letting the presence of God permeate you as you are praying and reading scripture. That is what changes your perspective on things. All that anxiety and anger that comes out as complaining and arguing, and we euphemistically call it getting upset. I'm just so upset. Okay, oh well. Some say, well, as a Christian, you shouldn't get upset. Of course we get upset. That's just an emotional response but we choose how to express that. We don't just let our feelings run wild, we have them under control, why? Because that's another fruit of the Spirit, self-control. As we submit ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit through prayer and the Word, we learn to deal with things in a better way. We're able to release those feelings to the Lord and relax. Some of you, though, you you really have struggled with this because this is all you've ever known. You've grown up in a home that was a war zone, that was just always hostility and turmoil. Or maybe you've been through the heavy drama of divorce and death, which has left you without a family. And and so it's really difficult for you. And others of you, you're dealing with some really purposeful provocations from people who know how to push your button, right? Right? And that kind of thing really sets you off. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach you a new way to live that you don't have to respond in the way you've always responded or the way you learned as a kid. You don't have to perpetuate the kind of home that you grew up in. You can be different. And most of us, we just deal with kind of the minor irritations, the small annoyances of life that make you lose your peace and patience. Like if you have a home with a fussy baby or you have a small child or you have a big child or you have a teenager or really anybody living in your home, you're going to have... Irritations and annoyances and then add into all that your to-do list and the interruptions and the unpaid bills and the car problems and uh, the the washing machine problems and you name it, that we're just always upset and it's hectic and it's harried and so what do we do with all that? Well, we end up taking it out on each other. Don't you? You take it out on each other. Don't mean to, you just do. For example, maybe you have a spouse who compulsively moves your stuff. They just can't help themselves. I have this one little area of the kitchen counter where my stuff goes. It's my, my coffee's there, and that's where I put my wallet, and my keys, and my notes, and that's mine. But she's always moving my stuff. Stop touching my stuff. She can't help herself. What is wrong with you? Those are the kind of little irritations I'm talking about. Now, it's true that there are probably little irritating things about me, but you don't need to hear about that. Um, but the other day, I was talking with some of the women's staff in the office there, and one of them was saying, yeah, my husband is installing this light fixture, and you know I wanted to be there to help him with it, and he, he didn't want me around. He wanted me to get away, get out of the house. And I said, I'm with your husband? when husbands are fixing something, we do not want our wives around. She said, but we're your helpers. No, you're our annoyance. We don't want that. Because when we're fumbling around, acting like we know what we're doing, we don't want you looking and feeling humiliated that we don't know what we're doing. So just get away and we'll be fine. If you stick around, it's going to get ugly. It's that kind of stuff. And isn't it ironic how we get so impatient with our family, the ones closest to us, with our spouses and our kids and our parents, but out in the world, we're just as calm and cool and collected. We got this under control we're even-tempered, but the moment we get home, boom, right? Or we're exasperated, we're short-tempered, we flip out, we fly off the handle. What is that? Well, sure not what the Bible calls peace, which is the the Hebrew word shalom. That's still used as a Jewish greeting today, shalom. Shalom doesn't just mean the absence of conflict or turmoil. It means a complete sense of well-being, a tranquility of the soul, a peace within. It's the kind of peace that Jesus promises. Holy calm. It's holy calm. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world... Gifts do I give you? You can't get this kind of peace out in the world. Uh, mine's different, it's much better. It's not all this superficial, temporary kind of peace that comes from you know lighting up aromatherapy candles and sitting in the tub soaking while chanting mantras, listening to cool jazz or trippy sitar music. It doesn't come from going to yoga and meditation and you know, uh, quieting yourself and finding your center. Well, who cares, what is that? That doesn't mean anything. That that doesn't last, it's not real. That's dependent on, oh, I'm by myself, I'm quiet, there's nothing bothering me. You can't live your life that way. You have gotta be around people. You can't get away from this stuff. So how do I have peace in the midst of all the mess? That's what Jesus wants to give you. Remember on the night he's arrested, he warns his disciples. Here's what's coming. It's not good, John 16:33, "I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Get used to it. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Okay, I've overcome all that. You're still going to have the trouble. But how do you overcome it? Well, it begins first with peace with God. The reason why you don't have inner peace is you don't have peace with God. That's why God sent his son into the world because the main disconnect we have is with God himself. Sin shatters shalom. And so Jesus comes as our one mediator to bring reconciliation with God because we were at war with him. Our sin made us his enemies. Jesus comes, dies in our place, gives us a peace treaty signed in his blood And that's what puts us right with God. And when we're right with God, now we can get right with other people too. So some of y'all, you need to be reconciled to other people, but first you gotta get reconciled to God, and then you're gonna, you gotta surrender to Him, because you were at war, so surrender, find peace, and then that's gonna come out as that shalom, serenity of soul, complete well-being. In fact, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Everybody say this together with me. This is a good one out loud. Do not be anxious about anything. It's not there, is it? <laughs> I can always tell <laughs> when we have technical difficulties. Are, are You're stressing me out a little bit with the screen. <laughs> Holy calm. Holy calm. All right. So that's there. Okay. Let's do it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right, sound good, right? But you might be thinking, I'm, I'm not really experiencing that kind of peace. I really, if I'm going to have peace, I really do got to get rid of the stuff in my life. I need my husband to go away. I need my kids to get out of the house. Not forever, just, you know, for a time. I got to get him out of here. I got to get away from my boss. I got to get away from these bills. I got I to get rid of all those things that are causing me problems. Well, f- good luck with that. It, they're never going away. You're never going to have that peace around you. You got to have that peace within you. How do you get that? Don't focus on the stuff around you. Focus on God, his presence, his provision. It's all good, it's gonna be okay. Isaiah 26 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So first, first, prayer, then peace. You can either panic or you can have peace. Prayer may not change the things around you, but it can change you. Because now you're focused on God. And that gives you a whole new perspective. You begin to see things through His eyes. And isn't it ironic that here we have this loving Father who compassionately and merciful invites us to pray and yet we, we so often forget or neglect to take our problems to God. We try to deal with them on our own first. We just, we sit and we stew and we stew instead of taking it to the Lord. And yet He invites us, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And then that sense of shalom begins to surround you. It's deeper than feelings. It's a real confidence that in the midst of all my troubles and my worries, God's with me. He's in control. He's good. He's working all things for my good. And even when things aren't going good and things don't make sense, God is here and it's gonna be okay. So prayer. What you ought to already be doing. And something else you ought to already be doing is filling your mind with the word of God. Because when your mind is filled with the negative thoughts of this world, you're focused on everything that's going wrong, that makes you anxious, that makes you angry. But instead, here's what Paul says to do in Philippians 4. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace, when is he with you? When you put into practice what you're learning. Where do you learn it? In the Bible. In other words, fill your mind carefully with God's word. You've got to choose carefully what you choose to think about. You always have a choice what you're going to dwell on. And too many of us spend our waking hours filling our minds with all kinds of garbage and nonsense in the world. Scroll, 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 click, click, click. Come on. What, what do you expect? We need to think God's thoughts after him. This is why it's so important that you spend daily time with God reading his word because it gets your head on straight. You begin to understand things through the lens of God himself. And I'm telling you, I really believe this. If people would just read their scriptures more often, it would put half the psychiatrists out of business because we are always taking our problems to psychiatrists. Help me think through this. And they do the best they can. You know, they, they try to break you out of these old ways of thinking and get you to focus on other stuff, give you a new way of thinking, but they can never get to the root of the problem. They can only get put Band-Aids on it, because the ultimate solution is your relationship with God. And you're spending all this money going to psychologists and therapists when God's already told you what to do about this stuff. Take it to him. Help, help, help me, God think your thoughts. See this through your eyes. That's the antidote. That's the cure. That's, that's what's going to wash away the anger and the anxieties not another technique not another prescription what God says he's not limited they are let the Bible speak into your life and you're gonna have that peace with God and that brings to peace with others and that's where the fruit is seen in your relationships first Thessalonians 5 says be at peace among yourselves notice that's a command not a feeling you don't have to feel peaceful you are to be at peace with other people as Christians we don't have the option to be argumentative or complaining we're not to do it we're to be even tempered even when we feel upset we don't act on it we don't take it out on others instead we take it to the Lord God knows what you're going through he understands he knows you better than you know yourself let him help you with it make all the difference another command This is a command that could absolutely change your family. I am not kidding about this at all. This one verse could turn so many families around right now if you will take this to heart. Philippians 2.14, it's one we need to say out loud all together again, is it there? All right. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. No grumbling, no complaining, no disputing. No arguing at all. Put that in a shadow box over your headboard, my friends. (laughs) Post that one on your refrigerator. Mm -hmm -hmm -hmm. Tape that one to your dashboard. I'm telling you, it could be a real game changer in the way your family gets along. See, we don't have to get all wound up and wigged out just because somebody invites us into an argument. We don't have to take up that threat, okay? We don't have to get all worked up and stressed out. You say, no, this is a command. I have the Holy Spirit within me. I have the fruit of self-control. Holy calm. And I love this verse from Romans. This is another game changer. Because, you know, we can only do what we can do. We can't force other people to be at peace. And some people don't want to be at peace, do they? Some people are they like to argue. Some people are stressors, troublemakers. What are you going to do? Only what you can do. Romans 12, 18. Say this with. Say this too. This is a good one. Here we go. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. See that? If it's possible. It's not always possible. Why? Because they don't want peace. And it's only as far as it depends on you. How much depends on you? Well, that's it. That's all you're responsible for. You're not responsible for them. You do what you can to bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says. So no matter who's at fault, Do your best to take the initiative to go to them to try and make things right. And sometimes that might mean humbling yourself and apologizing for whatever part you played in the whole thing because it's very rarely one-sided. It might mean offering forgiveness when there is actual repentance. But you do what you can do, and that's all you can do. And at that point, you're you're not treating them the way they deserve. You're treating them the way God wants you to. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for him. Because that's the way he's treated you. To have that kind of peace, I think there's a better word for it in the King James Version, old school. It's called long-suffering. You know what long-suffering is? It means to suffer a long time. You suffer a long time with somebody who's causing you headaches. Putting up with their nonsense, putting up with their faults and their failures. I'm just gonna suffer along with that. I'm gonna put up with that. That's what it means. Long-suffering, I'm gonna put up with it. That's called patience. And what causes impatience is a lack of peace. See, if you don't have peace in your heart, you're not gonna have patience. But once you have that peace from God in you, then very few things can ever cause you to be impatient. Jesus showed amazing patience with people. First Thessalonians five fourteen, Scripture says, be patient with them all. Who's that? Everybody, be patient with everybody. But again, where's that most difficult? It's most difficult at home. With the people closest to us. Why? I don't know. We light down our guard. We figure, well, they know me. They know who I am. I don't have to put on any fake, you know, uh, niceness to them. They can just see me as I am. That's the way I am. No, it's not the way you are. It's the way you choose to be. Nobody can make you act that way. You choose to be that way. And the people you care about most. I mean, you notice how, you know, you can be so impatient with your own kids, but they bring their friends over to the house, and you are just patient as pie with those kids. Or, you're so impatient with your spouse, but you go off to work and you're just patient all day long with your coworkers, and then you get home and blah, it's all over the place, right? Why is that? We are most easily irritated at home. But it's not just family. Every day there are people that are gonna agitate us and annoy us and aggravate us, and that's how God teaches you patience. God's not gonna teach you patience in the bathtub, in the bubble bath, right? He's gonna teach you patience being around annoying, aggravating people. How do you learn patience? By waiting, come on, of all people in the world, people in downriver have to be the most patient of all because we've got like a 1,000 railroad tracks sitting around here with trains staying there all day long. You have to be patient if you want to live downriver. You don't have a choice. If you want to be patient around people, you've got to be around some annoying people who make you feel anxious and angry. How are you going to respond? Well, not the way you feel respond the way Jesus would. Now, that doesn't mean if we get provoked, we ignore it. it. It means that we're gonna respond in a godly way. We're gonna keep our temper under control. We're gonna check our egos. We're not gonna return evil for evil because the Bible says love is patient. So if you're impatient, what are you? Not loving. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to tolerate people because of their faults. You know, because that God has tolerated our faults, right? He's, he's put up with us but th- things aren't gonna bother us the, the way they used to. We can let those things slide off of us. Again, you learn patience by focusing on God's presence. Why, because you're filling your mind with his word, you're thinking his thoughts, you've got his perspective, you're seeing people through his eyes, and you're praying, you're asking God to help you. Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And God's waiting and waiting and waiting for us to grow up, he's patient with us, we can do that for other people too. And there's a great saying, it's not in the Bible, but it's a pretty good one. Don't sweat the small stuff, right? In other words, don't get all hung up on stuff that's not important, that doesn't really matter, and then it's usually followed up with a phrase, and it's all small stuff, which isn't true. Now, because there is some big stuff. There are things that you, you know, you rightfully should get upset about and things that you gotta take care of. When there's real conflict, you need to get that out of the way in a biblical, healthy way. And if you get impatient with somebody, well then you own it and you apologize. Like, you know, if somebody is delaying, they said I do this and they don't do it. Your kid, you gave mature, they're being lazy, they're blowing it off. You gotta deal with that. You cannot let that go on because delayed obedience is still disobedience. So, you know, you calmly tell them, well, here's the consequences, and then you patiently, dispassionately follow through with it. You never discipline in anger. You don't discipline when you're all stressed out, freaked out. You do it with a holy calm, but you got to deal with that. And if you're dealing with a spouse, well, you got to deal with that in a different way, don't you? Gently. If they're delaying, if they're waiting, making you wait and wait and wait, gentle reminders, right? Because calmer spouse, peaceful house, patient parent, happier home. Now what if you're the kid and your parents are delaying on doing something they said they would do? Well, it is not your place to demand. That's, that's not for you to do, but you can gently remind them because sometimes parents mess up too and we get caught up in other things and we forget and we get lazy too, so gentle reminders. And also keep it in mind that people are just at different places spiritually. I mean, you can't expect a baby to act like a grown-up. I remember as a young parent having my two babies, waking me up at you know, three in the morning, crying inconsolably, shut up, shut up, shut up. And they won't shut up and you rock and you sing and you, you know, do whatever you can and they still won't shut up and you just, and it's not just me, come on. You feel that, that anger is rising in you but you think it's just a baby. It'll pass. It's just a phase. Because you don't ever want to do anything that would harm your baby and it doesn't matter what phase of life they're in. Throwing temper tantrums, eye-rolling, disrespectful. Deal with it, but don't ever do it in a way that would harm them, in a way that you will regret and they'll never forget. Because it's a phase. They'll grow up. You can't expect a baby Christian to act like a mature Christian. You can't expect a spouse who's not a Christian to act like one who is. We deal with people where they are. And this is where the ancient wisdom of the biblical proverbs comes into play to really help us in our communication and give us a holy calm. Listen well before speaking. Proverbs 18:13, "If one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame." So listen first. Don't speak when you're angry, Proverbs 29. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Stop yelling. I mean, we, all, we hear that phrase, don't lose your temper. Well, what does it mean to keep your temper? Your temper is calm, calmness of mind. It, it, it's your composure, Proverbs 16. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his own spirit than he who takes a city. In other words, it can be more difficult to rule your own spirit than to rule a whole city. But do not let your spirit, your anger, your anxiety take control, take your throne, be the king of your life. You put your emotions under control. Don't let them boss you around. You tell them what to do because you have the fruit of self-control. Take the high road in whatever you say. In fact, when you're feeling anxious or angry, that's the time not to talk much. Proverbs ten nineteen, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lip is prudent. In other words, when you're feeling like that, the more you talk, the more there's trouble. So be discerning when to speak and when not to. And the Holy Spirit's going to help you. It's going to rein you in. Proverbs thirteen, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. It may save your life. Keep your mouth shut. You might just live through the night. Right. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And pause before responding. Don't fly off the handle, don't assume. Proverbs 21, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. You want to stay out of trouble? Shut up. Just keep your mouth shut. And amazing how many problems would be avoided if we had just learned to not say whatever pops into our minds in the moment. Proverbs 17, whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. The immature lose control. They let the fire of the moment get the best of them, but a cool spirit, when things get heated up, will keep you under control, give you a peaceful home, a happy home. You know, because really, um, at the end of the day, you don't wanna be dealing with all the stress at home. I mean, you just went through a hard day, all kinds of stress and anxiety, and you come home and you just want a little bit of peace. Uh, You don't want more stress. You don't want a spouse who's gonna stress you out even more. That's why Proverbs 21.9 says, it's better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. A husband appreciates respectful cooperation and a wife appreciates a gentle husband. Proverbs 15, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, we get into this vicious cycle where his harshness stirs up her quarrelsomeness. And her quarrelsomeness stirs up his harshness and you gotta break out of that cycle. Somebody's gotta stop the cycle. And if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Keep it shut. But ideally, words will build up and not tear down. Control your reactions with a holy calm. Say it with me again. Holy calm. All right. Holy Spirit will give you that. Will make you more peaceful, more patient. Sin shatters shalom. And the first thing you need is to be put right with God. That's why Jesus came. He died in your place to take away your sin, to give you forgiveness. And he rose from the dead so that you could enjoy life. And he's gone to prepare a place for you in the Father's house. It's a peaceful house and so if you will do what he says, put your trust in him, repent of your sins and be baptized into him. Come clean in the waters of baptism as your soul is cleansed. Here's the promise, he who believes and is baptized will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's where you get it. Have you experienced that yet? If you haven't, do it today. You can leave this place a different person Now I'll tell you, you could go out of this place today and you're feeling all great and you go home and you know, get right into it again. Give it time, work through this. The Holy Spirit will help you. If you need to be baptized today, come on up in the next few minutes. Music's playing, I'll have some friends up here. You can text, you can email us. We'll get back to you right away, but what better time than right now, let's get this right, get in the water, Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Whatever decision you need to make, do it today. Maybe it's somebody in your family that you're praying for. They need Christ. Maybe it's a wife or a husband or your son or daughter or your mom or dad. Who are you praying for? Who's your one? Have you you taken one of those balls out in the lobby and written their name on it and put it in that big arrow on the wall? It's filling up. It's almost full, but there's still room for yours. Who's your one? One more for Jesus. Let's pray about all that right now. Father, we're first praying for, oh, there, we just need so much peace in the world right now. Things are just a mess. Violence and bloodshed, God, in Israel and Gaza, Ukraine, Russia, so many places. Pray that you'll bring peace, but we know the, the peace comes through Jesus, Lord. I pray that you'll bring peace in so many families right now that are at war, that are having all this conflict. I pray that you, your peace will flood through their, their homes produce this good fruit in us help us to be more self-controlled so that we can be more patient and have more peace God so many of our homes need holy calm and we're praying for those who need to surrender to you so that your peace will rule in their hearts we're praying for our one whether it's in our family or a friend that one who needs Jesus and right now maybe there are some who need that name brought to their mind impress on them the one that they can reach and let them see in us a difference. Let the world look at our lives and look at our families and see there really is something different about them. There's something magnetic, there's something attractive. I want what they've got. So help us to lay all of our anxieties and angers at the foot of the cross, in, in the midst of all the turmoil, all the stress, all the tension, Lord, that we would relax. God, all these, these frown lines on our faces, all the, our faces are scrunched up, our brows are furrowed. I pray that we will relax and know the true shalom that the world is searching for. It's found only in you. Thank you for being so patient with us, not giving up on us, pursuing us, delaying your judgment until we had time to repent. And Lord, at this Thanksgiving time of the year, we're thankful for our families, we're thankful for our blessings, the material things, physical things, all that's wonderful, God, but it's just all bonus to what really matters. We're thankful for our salvation in Jesus Christ. And we pray it all in his name. Amen.